welcome to the Healthy Human Revolution podcast. I'm Dr. Lori Marvis, and today I'm so honored to introduce Dr. Kristen Kelber. How are you? Very good. Thank you for having me. Uh, well, thank you for joining us because we've known each other for a little bit, and you have a really uh, intriguing and interesting story. I think it's going to really resonate with uh, especially some of our professionals like physicians and other folks that, you know, any, I think anybody who prescribes to a, a health or a serving type of a career, but can you tell us a little bit about yourself first of all, like how'd you get into medicine? What do you do? Where you're located? Sure. Um, right now I live in Cleveland, Ohio. I'm an internal medicine and pediatrician physician. Um, I see patients in primary care. I would say that I became a physician because I wanted to help other people. I know that sounds like a canned response, but that's really what it was about for me. Um, and I've been practicing for a long time. What else can I tell you? Um, How old were you when you wanted to know you wanted to be a doctor? Those always are kind of fun. Fifth grade. Fifth my, grade. My mother came home from a parent-teacher conference and she said, well, the teacher said you're doing really well in school, but she said you're particularly um, doing very well in science. And so I sat at the kitchen table and I can just, I remember this and thought to myself, well, what can I do if I'm good at science? And so I decided I would be a doctor and that was it. That's awesome. You know, think about what a tremendous influence someone's words are. I mean, it literally changed your course of maybe where you would have shown up otherwise. I mean, I came up with better reasons along the way, but... Yeah, but it sparked an interest. Yeah. Well, once you make the decision, then your brain's just going to move forward to uh, mm -hmm. take you to where you want to go, which we're going to get to actually kind of, uh, again, <laughs> back to your story. So tell us kind of um, your trajectory of your medical career and kind of where it ended up with uh, the big words burnout. Yeah. Um, so when I was in college, I did a lot of research in the summers and was really interested in how could you move forward medical science and medical knowledge to help patients. And so I'm actually an MD, PhD. And I did the medical Wait, scientist. One second. I gotta, okay, these people got to understand. First of all, you're med peds. So this is internal medicine and pediatric board certified, typically. Correct. Am I right? Yes. Okay. So that's double boarded in two, two, <laughs> that's amazing. And then you have your PhD. <laughs> so how many years total is your education? Because I think people like you are phenomenal. <laughs> um, half my life. Half <laughs> your life. life. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's amazing. Go ahead. Sorry. So, so I did an MD PhD program in developmental neurosciences Wow. And everybody expected I would become a neurologist, right? That's what you do if you're doing your PhD in neurosciences. And um, I didn't. I was really interested in, I would see a patient with a seizure disorder, let's say, and I would be like, oh, okay, well, we can give them those medicines, but what about everything else that that patient needs? How can we help them otherwise? And so I was very holistic in my care, I would say, even from the beginning as a medical student observing all of this. Mm. And so I was lucky enough to uh, train in residency at an institution that had 
this 50-year-old program of taking care of children and adults with disabilities. Wow. So spina bifida, cystic fibrosis, all these um, genetic conditions, Down syndrome, um, things that have often affected the nervous system. And so I decided that that's what I wanted to be when I grew up. I wanted to be one of those providers. And at the time I was going to residency, they had just started extending their care, or they had always extended their care for adults, but the adults were getting older and older. And so the pediatricians that had started this program felt like, we can't do this. We cannot see a 45-year-old. So they started welcoming MedPeds physicians into their practice. So I decided, okay, I'm going to do MedPeds, and that's what I'm going to be when I grow up. And so I essentially did that. And I worked as a MedPeds physician, um, seeing these children and adults with very complex diseases. Oftentimes, they would come in with 12 medicines that they were on and be in a wheelchair and have a G-tube, an event. Um, Sorry, a G-tube is this tube that feeds your stomach artificially. You know that, but not all of our listeners. Right, may. no, right, absolutely. Um, so, the vent, can you explain the vent? To help oh, the vent is an artificial way to allow you to breathe. Wow. And these patients were living at home with all of this equipment. Wow. It was um, very rewarding, and I really enjoyed the work, but I started to um, experience burnout. Hmm. Can you describe what burnout is for you? So I looked up the definition today because I wanted to be accurate. Um, But burnout is a form of what we call compassion fatigue, where you um, stop to really, you stop caring about what you're doing and, and get to the place where you're feeling like what you're doing is not helping your patients. Um, It's associated with hopelessness, um, I'm going to read it, and difficulties in dealing with your work or in doing your job effectively. Mm, Wow. So what, what, where do you think it began? Like, what was the, when did you start going, you know, something's not right. Like, what were you experiencing? What were the thoughts that you were having? Were there any physical um, manifestations? Because stress can do a lot of different things. Right. Um, I mean, what was happening was, the healthcare system was changing. We were going to this RVU-based system of care where they needed people to see as many patients as possible. And patients that come in with 12 medicines and a vent and a G-tube, you can't see them in 15 minutes. And our department chair was saying, you need to see more patients, you need to create more revenue. So we were trying to do that. And it was extending into my evenings and time with my family and um, the care of these children is very complex. They, our uh, department had like 900 forms a month that we were filling out. Oh my goodness. For like signing like nursing home orders and um, just med checklists. And it was, it was incredible. So a lot of the patients went to day programs. And so every time something happened at the day program, they would send you a form that you had to sign that you were aware that it happened. It was just, it was a lot. So 
Um, I, I tried to work within the system. I tried to work with asking, you know, we need more support. Um, and there, it was, there weren't, there wasn't a way to get more support. Mm -hmm. And, um, at about the same time, I started to get really interested in plant-based medicine mm. and started to wonder, oh, well, that would be wonderful to try to do this kind of work with patients and talk with them about how you can reverse disease and um, how you could prevent yourself from ever getting the disease. Mm. And so I started to think about, well, I, I just really need to get out of this because I was, I was having headaches and I was um, short with my family. Um, mm. I was tearful. It was, it was not a good situation. Okay. So how long did you suffer that before you started to kind of see a new way of practicing medicine, like the plant-based lifestyle medicine? How, how long was it before you actually saw some type of light at the end of a tunnel? Well, so my first step was, um, so a couple years, I, I feel like I suffered a couple years with mm. it. Um, because, because I, I was really committed to the mission of taking care of these patients and I wanted to do the right thing for the patients. So mm. I, I just kept going. I got you. Um, but then it, there became a breaking point for me. Um, and I decided that I needed to get out. And because of this knowledge that I had about plant-based medicine, I felt that in a typical primary care office, I, I simply could not work because the paradigm is very, very quickly see as many people as you can and renew their medicines and get them out of there. Mm -hmm. Forgive me if that's too um, harsh of a description. No, I think that's a pretty accurate description of today's medicine. <laughs> um, so, so I said, well, where in medicine can I fit in? And so I decided that I could do urgent care. Mm -hmm. So I took a job in the emergency room because I still feel like there are times where uh, there are rare times where an antibiotic is needed. Mm -hmm. um, if your wrist is broken, it should be set. Uh, mm -hmm. If you have appendicitis, we should get you into a surgeon, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So I took a job there and um, that's not stressful at all. Working mm -hmm. in a room, a level one trauma center. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it actually was a lot better because you don't take your work home with you. You yeah. have, you send them somewhere, you know that they're either going home safely or they're getting admitted or whatnot. And, and you're, you could, I could sleep better at night. I didn't worry about my patients. I was constantly worried about my patients in, in the job before. Yeah. Um, so I started that and about the same time I started, um, playing around with mindfulness because so many people had talked to me about how mindfulness could be helpful for burnout. And I was always interested in ways to get better without taking medicine. Mm -hmm. So I actually uh, worked with a nurse practitioner at the institution I was working at to teach a mindfulness-based stress reduction course. Okay. And taught it to physicians for eight weeks. Wow. Um, it was in the evenings. It was very much modeled after the John Cabot Zinn uh, mm -hmm. course that he had for patients or still has for patients. Mm -hmm. um, 
And it was wonderful. I mean, people really respond to that. And my um, mental health improved and my emotional um, empathy for my patients and for my family and for myself improved. And then um, one of my friends said, you should check out this conference on burnout. And so it's through the American Meditation Institute. And so I said, okay. Um, And so I went to that conference and that is when I really started to heal, I feel like. That's a nice way to put it, healing. Can you tell us a little bit about, just real quick, what mindfulness means to you? Like, can you describe what that actual, what it is, I guess, is the best way to... What is mindfulness? So um, my understanding of mindfulness is being in the moment, being very present, having perfect one-pointed attention for the work that is in front of you, Uh, not thinking about the future, not thinking about the past, um, not worrying. Um, So mindfulness was, some people feel like it came from when John Kabat-Zinn started to teach people this, but I feel like it's from a practice from 5,000 years ago that originated in the Himalayas. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. But uh, so I, I guess that answers your question. All right. So then you were going to the conference and can you tell us a little bit about the conference and the teaching that goes on there? Mm-hmm. So this is a CME um, medical conference where doctors can get um, educational hours, but it's very different because it's a conference that's experiential. Hmm. You practice these techniques. It's not just pedagogical where you sit and listen to lectures. There are lectures, but you practice all these different forms of meditation and yoga that help you um, that have been shown to help you with burnout. But also I would say that even if you don't experience burnout, it will just help you with so many different aspects of your life. So what other aspects of life would it help you with? So I guess take us from the beginning to the end, like what were you learning and how did you start having this like revelation of like, wow, this is really what I've been looking for. Um, I would first say that it was a very gradual process that I would get to the wow. It took several mm-hmm. years for me to get to the wow. Okay. Um, the course teaches you breathing techniques. It teaches you um, using mantra-based meditation. So a mantra is a word or a phrase that has been shown through thousands of years to offer you um, special power and calmness and peace. Um, And you use the mantra as your focal point during meditation. So actually one of the earliest forms of mantra-based meditation that we learn is breath work. So focusing on your breathing. So um, closing your eyes and um, paying attention to the movements of your breath. And so that's one Um, form of meditation. And it's very hard. Um, 
Why is it hard? When you meditate, what you'll notice is immediately your mind will jump to something else. That's what our mind is about. So many of us, even when we're having a conversation, we're thinking about, I have to go to the grocery store after I talk to this person or, (laughs) or, um, my foot is hurting or whatever it is, there's some other distraction. And so when you begin to meditate, you notice that your attention is not one pointed. It is not on the breath all the time, Mm -hmm. but the exercise is to notice that your attention has moved and bring that attention back to the breath. So you're basically um, extending your attention span. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sort of, okay, so then how does someone begin a type of practice like this? Like what did you, so you went to the conference and you learned all this different things. How did you begin your practice? Like what were you doing at home and kind of share with your, your journey and that challenge and what's going on? So, I mean, the, the, Um, the hope is that when you return home, you'll incorporate some of these practices. Mm -hmm. And we talk about um, in yoga science that, or at least based on the teaching that I've received, that you want to have ahimsa. So ahimsa is a term that uh, medical professionals are well-versed in. It means to first do no harm. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when you engage in a new yoga practice, you should be gentle with yourself. You should not try to take on more than what you can handle. Um, I did not follow that advice. So I went out of the course um, racing, trying to do all of these techniques in a day, and it just was not um, kind to myself. Mm. Uh, It was too disruptive to my schedule. Um, So a lot of practitioners will meditate twice a day and me initially just starting with that was way too much. Um, and so, so I got to the place where I was just doing it once a day and doing a little less time. Um, and then as the year went on, I did a little less and a little less but then I decided, oh, I'm going to go back to this conference and learn it again. And I'm going to just see if I can pick up some more ideas. And, and I did. And my, um, my practice then got a little deeper and I did it a little bit more that next year. Um, and I continued to talk to my teacher during that year. I think it's really important to have a teacher. And um, so this practice began to just... I think um, help you be more calm in thing in in my day to day life. Um, at that point in time, I noticed that. Um, but also, I guess I want to talk about what yoga means. So yoga means bridge, and what all of these practices do is they help us to bridge our inner wisdom with our thoughts and our words and our deeds in day-to-day life, in real time. Hmm. So when you have one-pointed attention, when you start to practice that technique in the morning of meditation, paying attention to your breath, for example, um, you develop this ability to be very present with your patients, with your children, with your spouse, with every relationship. 
Okay. Um, that really decreases your stress, I feel like, because you're not thinking about that grocery list and you're not thinking about what else you have to do when you're done or you're not even thinking about, it's really annoying what this patient is saying to me. I'll just be honest with you. Sometimes doctors get annoyed with what patients are saying. <laughs> that sounds bad. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's funny. Well, I guess you're turning down the, the white noise, right? So you're just dialing it down so you can hear what's going on in front of you a little right. better. The white noise, but also more importantly, or in addition, I would say um, you're not wasting energy on all those other things. You're just using your energy to help with the one task that you're being asked to do, which is listen oh. to the patient or help your daughter with her reading or whatever it is. Okay. So tell me what is meditation, I guess. I mean, you said you're focused breathing, but so what do you do on a daily basis? What does, what does that look like for you? Um, so like I said before, it started out slowly. I wasn't doing all the things that I'm about to describe to you initially. I've now been practicing meditation for almost five years. So wow. I mean, okay. regularly, I started out doing other things before that, like guided imagery and the uh, mindfulness-based stress reduction techniques. So I've been doing this for 20 years, but wow. this, this form of meditation I've been doing for five. Wow. Okay. And you've interviewed Leonard Perlmutter. He's my teacher. Okay. So, yeah. The people can go back. I can put the link to the other interview as well. <laughs> thank you. Um, yeah. Yeah. So what was, I've already forgotten the question. You're going to so, share with us the, what you're doing on a daily basis. So what, what do I do on a daily basis? I um, meditate in the morning for anywhere from 10 to 20 minutes. Okay. And there's sort of a um, technique that I go through in my mind of when I'm doing this. But I first started out with an audio recording that I listened to. And I listened to that for about a full year of, oh, wow. of listening to it to to just help me draw myself back because it's very easy to get sidetracked and start thinking about something totally different for minutes at a time. Okay. Um, so every once in a while, the audio CD would say something to remind you. Oh, you got to get. You're not focused on your mantra at all. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And so you're doing that 20 minutes in the morning. Is there? A, are you doing it twice a day now? I do. I do it. Okay. Uh, 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes in the evening. And when I talk to physicians about that, they're like, what? How do you have time to do that? Um, and I think part of it is that when you can quiet your mind, um, you don't need as much sleep. You really, I feel like, I feel like some of that meditation actually is restorative. Wow. Okay. But I'm not sure, but I also think you just have to figure out how, how do you want to spend your waking hours, you know, <laughs> spend lots of time on Facebook or on right. um, different things. So yeah, absolutely. So I, yeah. So I do that twice a day, but then I have these other practices throughout the day that help me um, center myself. So okay. we practice with a mantra and so there's a technique called japa, which means sort of in real time throughout the day, repeating the 
mantra to yourself when you're not being asked to think. Uh, so in grocery store lines, I'm talking a lot about groceries, I feel today. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, or, you know, maybe you're waiting for someone to pick them up or whatever it is. A red mm-hmm. light, stopped at a red light, you can repeat your mantra. Um, okay. So that's something that I do throughout the day when I can remember to do it. Because, okay. because my teacher often says thinking is overrated. Uh, and it took me a while to understand what he meant, but if you think too much about things, it, it often causes you to experience pain and worry. Mm. Um, you can and be it, addicted to thinking. Right, right. You think about the future, you think about the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, so tell, tell us, so you were, you were going through burnout, you started on this journey and so what in your day-to-day life um, with your patients, with your family, some concrete examples of what is really different, like just h- how you're feeling exactly, what as in other people notice, what's going on there? Um, I feel like I'm able to use my gifts as a physician better because I'm much calmer. I um, Meditation teaches you to have this split second moment before you make a decision with what you're going to say or think or do. Um, and so I think sometimes with my patients, my first response might not be the best response. And so you have this tiny amount of time where you think differently and you, you come up with perhaps a better response to a patient that helps them. I feel like my creativity around how I work with my patients and my two daughters is different, is improved. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Um, I feel like I'm more discriminating about how I work with patients. Um, I used to be very burdened by the fact that I couldn't fix people. I couldn't get that diabetic who was 250 pounds to change his diet and exercise and sleep. And I, I would take that home and I would be upset about that. And I would, um, even though I, maybe I didn't think about it that way, but it was something that was on my shoulders and weighing me down. Um, right. Now um, you witness things as if it's like a movie in front of you and, and it's not something that you have to take in and hold with you and bring home with you. Mm. Uh, and I, I still give my patients my full attention, uh, help them, but I'm not burdened by what their problems are forever. I mean, in that moment, I'm trying to help them. Um, And I think that helps you to realize that that 250 pound man, um, maybe the next step is not to sort of berate him with all these ideas, but to work with him and what is the next step? Maybe it can be a 10 minute walk with his wife after dinner every day. Maybe that can be his goal mm-hmm. or next thing that he works on. So I think that's really amazing. Does and it you- help you in a sense that you don't feel the burden to come up with a solution, but maybe you allows you to help guide the patient to their own solutions with your knowledge and expertise and help them figure out what's best for them? Yes. Yeah. I'm not, and because it's not my problem, it's, 
it's their problem and I'm helping them to come up with right what the right answer. So exactly. So that's really cool. So now you've discovered the power of partnering partnering with the patient. It's still, you know, a responsibility to guide them in the right direction, but at the end of the day it's their decision. So that's really awesome. So how do you how do you find if you had it any difficulty with parents? And you know, because sometimes parents will make decisions that you're like, huh. <laughs> you know, this should be a different decision for this child. Where, where do you, what has your experience been there with it, this, this entire change in your mindfulness? Um, I do my best and mm-hmm. I'm not attached to the outcomes of that. I, um, okay. I'm not attached to the fruits of my labor. I do what I think is the right thing for that patient and that parent. Um, and I go, I go from there. Um, I know that this is a journey for them too. I gotcha. So I I like how you put that. You're not attached to the fruits of your labor. (laughs) So you're always, you're part of the journey. You're just enjoying and learning and appreciating the moment. So you're not so focused on the big shiny outcome because you know, when you get there, there's always another journey and another outcome somewhere else. So you just, you just are going with the moment, which is nice. And I think, I mean, I think the other thing is, is that um, I've recognized that my job is to be of service to these patients and to do the best that I can do to be of service to them. Mm-hmm. When you have that mindset, instead of the mindset of this is a burden to take care of the patients, um, when you know that this is instead your, your um, holy job, mm-hmm. um, Joe L.Y., like this is um, a gift that you've been given to care for these patients. Um, It changes your experience. So when you change your perspective from this is a a job that's really painful to a job that um, is a gift that you've been given to do to be of service, Mm -hmm. it changes everything. It makes everything magical and enjoyable and worthwhile. Um, And I think that's Sorry, I think that that's um, a lot of physicians take umbrage with that. When I tell tell people about that, they think, "No, Kristen, you have to have administration give us more time to chart, and we have to have more um, money, and we have to have fewer patients a day, and all these things." And I don't disagree with them that there are things that we need to do to allow pa- doctors to do their job, and that we do a lot of menial things that other people could do. But I think that if you change your perspective on your job, your experience will change. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, and so where have you seen ripple effects in other parts of your life? <clears throat> um, Exercise, relationships, uh, your own care for yourself? In everything. I feel like um, my kids are happier because I'm happier. Mm. I think uh, I learned so many things from this yoga science practice. Um, for example, I love what my teacher says quite often, which is attention is love. Mm. And so I used to always set up things for my kids and know that they had an activity and they had this and they had that. And I never paid attention to whether I was giving their, them my one-pointed attention, my time of just sitting with them 
or taking a walk or doing what was important to them, going out. My daughter loves bugs. <laughs> going out and looking at the bugs with her in the yard. Or, wow. um, so, so I think things just bring me more joy. I just think it's really wonderful. And I, um, I can't recommend it enough. So you're building memories too. So the mindfulness not only helps you in the present moment, but helps you build memories that you can enjoy and build relationships on. So Mm -hmm. that's awesome. So what would be your recommendation for someone who's considering, you know, they're really struggling with their own inner uh, conflicts of burnout or stress. What would you suggest would be the first step someone should take? Um, I think to examine that trouble that they're having, um, to ask what is that obstacle and to ask who am I? Um, um, And also to ask what is your deepest driving desire? And I feel like humans, um, our deepest driving desire is to be happy Mm -hmm. and to have the ability to have wisdom around things mm-hmm. and um, people fear death. But um, if we really um, listen to what the sages have to say, we are all eternal. Um, mm-hmm. So I feel like um, looking at who, who are you and, and what really is your deepest driving desire in life is the first step. And then getting a teacher um, so even if it's playing around with, um, a simple one minute meditation where you sit quietly and pay attention to your breath, um, mm-hmm. that might be the first thing that you could do and, um, uh, recognizing that you're not trying to force your breath during that minute and you're not, um, trying to hold your breath. You're just paying attention to it. And at every minute that you or every moment that you move away from your breath, that's not a failure. That's just an opportunity to move back to it. And so that's the exercise um, in a very short explanation. Mm -hmm. My teacher has a full one-page description of this exercise, but that's a quick description. I think playing around with your breath is, is very good because once you learn to use your breath, you can quiet yourself and calm yourself with your breath. So... I often find in the office when um, I'm running around and running late and having you know a very difficult patient um, that if I can just close my eyes for one or two breaths before I go into the next patient, it really centers me and allows me to focus to be ready for the next person. Mm, very true. Yeah, and I, I think the deep breathing too is a lot of us, I think, walk around almost holding our breath because we're anxious or breathing really shallow but not that deep belly breath through the nose and you know stimulating the vagus nerve and calming things down so that's awesome I've done a lot of breathing techniques with anxious patients did one today so teaching them those type of things they're like wow that really works it's like yes I know (laughs) so that's awesome um so Kristen is there any last things you'd like to share with us because I think your story of almost this you know path of wanting to be a doctor wanted to do this with these really difficult patients come around like, Oh my goodness, this is a burden. I'm dying burden. And now full circle 
to you now it's you're serving. I think that's really important to understand we're servants. All of us should be servants in life to, to some degree to one another, to care for each other. Um, is there one last bit of advice you'd like to share with anyone on your journey and your experience? Um, quickly, a couple things. I mean, of course. Well, I think that um, just because we're talking about physician burnout, I would say that this is applicable to every occupation. It's not even just, you know, not just, but being a parent at home or um, you can have burnout in many different situations in your life and many different occupations. So I think that this is um, something that will help many of the listeners, I hope. Mm -hmm. Um, And then um, I think that it's a process to, to recover from burnout and that you, you need to think of this as being in recovery. So um, I, I imagine that I will keep doing these practices that have helped me every day. Um, so I think that's important. Um, and if you want to know more, my essay is published. I wrote this essay, um, and that's how you found out about interviewing me. I'm mm-hmm. very grateful for that. Okay. Um, but if you wanted to read my story, um, it's available online through the American Meditation Institute. We'll put a link to it. Right. Um, what else? Oh, I just thought of something and I lost <laughs> it. Um, so. It's fleeting. <laughs> I hate that when that happens. I know. Oh, it was such a good thought. Um, you were talking about parenting and being in a different um, some type of a different career or something else. It's not just being a doctor. Does that ring a bell? Maybe. Oh, I know what I wanted to talk about. So the reason I wrote the essay is kind of an interesting story, I think. Um, Okay. So I'm on the faculty of this American Meditation Institute, which means I teach during the conference that happens once a year. Mm -hmm. And uh, Leonard Perlmutter was coming up with, um, he's always improving the conference and he was coming up with another session which was gonna be um, reimagining your medical practice. And he told me that he was inviting um, different people who had left their jobs for their ideal medical practice. And the reason I wrote this essay was I wanted to explain to him, this wasn't meant to be published, I wanted to explain to him why I felt that you didn't have to leave the practice that you were in. Mm. Um, The amazing thing is if you, study these meditation techniques and start to use them in your life, um, you'll realize that you're just as we've been talking about, your perspective will change and your experience will improve. Mm. So I feel like that's really interesting. And I think it's, it gives, hopefully it gives some of the physicians out there hope that they don't necessarily have to leave their job, that if they can start to change um, how they experience things, um, things will improve. So that was what I wanted to say. (laughs) And you had mentioned before we started, changing your perspective will change your experience. So instead of reaching for escape, you know, the escape hatch and trying to leave the nest, just because if you haven't changed your perspective or how you're going to view things anywhere you go, there will be problems and issues. But Mm -hmm. like you said earlier, you change your perspective, you change your experience. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great title. Excellent. Okay. 
Well, thank you, Kristen, for your time. And I'm sure uh, there will be many people who read this and your, your story, your um, essay is very elegant and I, it was very moved by it. So I hope others will be as well. Well, thank you very much. It's a pleasure yeah. to be on your podcast. Well, we appreciate you taking the time of your day to join us. So thanks everyone for listening. Okay, bye. Bye.